Good to uh, see you this morning. Let me say this, even if you're uh, not a football fan, um, you might want to consider to come this afternoon because I know for a fact that there's going to be some pretty good uh, pork being, being served up and some ribs that are being served up. And so just saying, that's worth it right there. All right. Um, good to see you today. I want to thank Pastor Barry uh, for filling in for me last week as we had a chance to go to Utah and help our daughter uh, move from uh, Arizona to Utah. And so that's uh, an, an interesting place uh, to be, um, to say the least. We're starting a, a brand new series uh, this morning called Living with Eternity in Mind, and it's based on the book of First Thessalonians. And so we're going to spend the next seven weeks together looking at what God has to say to our lives through uh, this book. And at the top of your note sheet, go ahead and take those out, uh, you will see three words, informative, interesting, and life-changing. And so that's my question for you today. Uh, do you want the next seven weeks to be informative, interesting, or life-changing? Go ahead and circle one of those. Here's my prayer. Uh, my prayer is that I can make this a little bit informative for you. Ho hopefully it'll be a little interesting. But only you and the Spirit of God living within you can make it life-changing. Right? It has to do with your heart and what's happening in your life. And so if you didn't circle life changing, you only want it to be informative or interesting for the next seven weeks, probably just want to stay home then. Right? Because what are, what are we doing? We're just coming to check a box on the to-do list for the week. No, we're, we look in the Bible. The Bible says uh, we should be transformed, right? We're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. The book is written to change our lives. And so this morning, I prayerfully want to see God change lives as we walk through the book of First Thessalonians, and I'm praying that we'll set our hearts and get our hearts in the right place to be changed by what, by what God has to say to us. Let me just read chapter 1 for you. This morning's 10 verses. As we get started, we're going to drill down on the first three verses, but I just want to read the whole passage, kind of get some context here this morning. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and the Father your work of faith and the labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full of conviction. And you know 
what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only was the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but also your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There, there are some incredible truths here in this chapter. And as I said earlier, we're going to be mainly focused on the first three verses today. But we'll see uh, who this book was written to, why it was written. It's kind of our intro into the book, how it was written. Today, uh, we're going to talk about how do we live and, and how can we build in our lives to, to a place where God can change us. That's where we're headed, so go ahead and take your notes out, get your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll get to it this morning. So if we're going to be changed, then we have to, number one, begin with the right attitude. Right? Here's the attitude. I hope every time you pick your Bible up, you think to yourself, God has something to say to me. Right? Not just something to say, but rather he has something to say to me and to you. If you don't think it's a waste of time reading your Bible, God wants to use it to change your life. So the next time you pick up your Bible and start to read it, don't read it like a, a history book. Don't read it like a novel. Don't read it like a moral guidebook. When you pick up your Bible, you should be reading it as a letter from God who loves you personally and is addressing the things that you are facing in your life. Where change begins is realizing that God has something to say to you. A couple of things about who it was written to. Letter was, first of all, written to a city. In a moment, I'll talk about the fact that it was also written to a church. But it was written to the city called Thessalonica. And it's a big city uh, for the day. It's about 100,000 people. It's a coastal city. On a major Roman road, it was close to a seaport. It was a rich city. It was a resort center, a health center. It had hot springs nearby. It was a commercial center. And when Paul was on his way to Asia, he was struck with this vision from God that, that he was to go to Macedonia. And he was first, he visited Philippi, and there wasn't enough Jewish believers uh, there for them to start a church. And so he went on to Thessalonica. And then he began this ministry. And the church was started with these new believers. So about 100,000 people in the city in Paul's day. The city's still there today, by the way. There's about a million people living there now. One of the interesting things about the city is that it's right at the foot of Mount Olympus. It was there where they worship false gods. So, so Paul brings the news of, of this real God, right? That there was the center of economic wealth and Paul brings the news uh, of real riches. And it was a place where there are many Jews, about a third of the city. And so Paul brings the news of the real Messiah. That was what Thessalonica was all about. 
I don't know about you, but we can kind of relate to that, can't we? The letter was also written to a church. Notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. Paul, Silvanius, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Here's what I want you to see. This is being written to, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? There are two addresses here. That they're living in the city, but also in God the Father and Jesus Christ. So, so what does that little word in mean? It, it's a very important that we understand that. Paul is saying you live in the city, but you also live what? In the Lord. Jesus talked about this when he says things like, you abide in me. Well, when Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians, he said it's like a body with an arm, right? The body of Christ lives in him, and Christ is the head. And we are connected to him. Everything we are, everything we do, we do what? In Christ. And if we forget either two of these addresses, you forget who you are in this world. We live in both, right? That's a tension for the believer. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And when we understand that God has something to say to us, then we can... Secondly, I understand why this letter was written. So Timothy and Silas bring Paul some good news about the church in Thessalonica who, who was in Corinth. And they tell Paul the church is growing and it's changing. And Paul's concerned about this church since the time he was able to share the good news of Christ with them. He, he was then chased out of the town by these jealous Jewish believers in Judaism. And so he wondered what happened to them. To them. Did, did they make it? And so Paul sends his friends up there to find out. And they come back and they're like, hey, good news. Right? They, they're living in Christ. That's why the letter was written. Paul was responding to some questions the church had. And he was responding to some concerns they had. And he was responding to even some criticisms that they had about Paul himself. Probably the first or second letter that Paul wrote. Most likely written in about 50, 51 A.D. He is writing a letter that the Holy Spirit's going to inspire to talk to them about the things like the good news, their faith, and their love. Paul takes the opportunity to share with them his genuine love for them and talk to them uh, about the need that they have for instruction. Right? So they needed to know about sexual immorality. They needed to know about the return of Jesus. That they needed to know about how, how, how the, to be uh, the church in this changing world in which they lived. And I thought, don't we need to know the same things today? Do we live in a world that needs to know about sexual immorality? Uh, probably. Do we live in a world that needs to understand about the return of Jesus? Right, I think we do. I think we need to understand how to be the church, how to be a representative of Christ when things are changing in our world so quickly around us. Paul wrote the answers to these very things and that, that we're asking today, or at least we should be asking those kinds of questions. And he's writing to this young church in this extremely dangerous world, time of change, with great questions about the future. Then there's a third thing that, to help us see that God has something to say to us when we understand what it says. The letter in the New Testament here is a lot like going to the doctor's office, right? You get a diagnosis and a prescription. 
Most of the time they're kind of blended together. The doctor says to us, here's what's wrong and then here's what you need to do to, to, to fix that, to get it right, right? The letter is no different. Let me just walk you through Moody Bible Commentary's outline of 1 Thessalonians, right? We, we have Paul's greeting in chapter 1, verse 1, then Paul's thanksgiving in, in verses 2 through 10, and Paul's ministry, chapter 2, 1 through 16, Paul's concern for the Thessalonians in chapter 2, verse all the way to chapter 3, verse 13, and then moving along, we see Paul's exhortations in chapter 4, 1 through 12, and then Paul's encouragement in eschatology in Chapters 4 through chapter 5, verse 11, then Paul's exhortation for spiritual living in, in 5, 12 through 22, and then finally his closing words in, in 23 to 28. Why did I just go over that with you? Because when we begin to understand what the Bible is saying to us, we need to have, or we, we need to just break it down. And we need to walk through it in a way that we can begin to understand. And so that's what Paul is doing with this young church in Thessalonica. And Paul begins to speak about these vital things. It reminded me a lot of our church 20 years ago when we first started, right? There was just some stuff we needed. We were a young church. Just some stuff we needed to know. That's what Paul's doing here. All right, a fourth thing that helps us see that God has something to say to us is that we understand the tone of the letter. Right When you pick up your Bibles and read it, it is good for you to, to get the tone of the book and just get the feeling behind it. Right, Every book kind of has a different feel to it. Right, if you read the book of Romans, you get this feel that, that, that you're in like this legal proceeding, right? And, and, and you, you feel this just logically you're going through the truth here. Right, if... And, and it's important to understand that a book like Proverbs, you get the field of, of some wise men just sitting you down, helping you to grow, helping you to understand. If you read Galatians, you get the feeling that Paul's really mad at the people in Galatia. Right? He's like, I can't believe you guys are going with a different guy. Like, what are you thinking? He's not happy with them. When we understand the feeling of the book, it helps us understand how God's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit to you in that book. And so 1 Thessalonians has a unique feel. Paul is writing to these young Christians. He has a great love for them. And he didn't get to spend much time with them because he was chased out. And so it's a heart-to-heart -heart kind of book. You feel his heart being poured out. The, the book is gentle and caring. He's writing to these baby Christians, right, telling them how to begin to grow in their faith. It's a book that is simple and basic. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that. All right? It's good to have someone to get to the point and say this is how it works. That's what Paul does for them. And then it's personal and direct. Right? One of the great things about this book is as you read through it, throughout the book, there's this air of expectancy. Not just about the return of Jesus, but also that God is about to work in your life. Right? He has something to say to you. You're going to make a difference in the world. There's an air of expectancy of growth and change. And when you look at Paul's concern for these people, you can't help but think, wouldn't it be great just to have the Apostle Paul as focused on the Lord as he was? Well, with a heart for God like, like he had just come to you and say, hey, let, let, let's just go to Tomato Street tonight and just have dinner together. 
Right? You sit down with the Apostle Paul and, and, and he's like, let me just talk to you about your growth in Christ. Right? Let, let me talk to you about your faith. Let me give you some advice about how to live in the Lord. Right? Like, how awesome would that be? Like, I don't know about you, but the Apostle Paul came to me and said, I'm like, I'm in, right? Let's go. Guess what? It's right here. That's why God gave us this book, the Apostle Paul sitting down with you over dinner maybe, telling you these things. It's a personal book. It's written to us. God is saying, I want to sit down with you and say some stuff to you. Right? That's the tone of the book. The second key to change, if we're going to have life change, is to live in the right climate. Paul uses three words in the first couple of verses here that bring out the kind of climate that, that, that brings about change. In the end of verse 1, he says, grace to you and peace. Two, two-thirds of the right climate right there. And then in verse 2, he said, we give thanks to God always for all of you. So thanksgiving is the third key. So interesting that those two words, grace and peace, were reminders of the Greek and Jewish greeting that, that people would use back in that day. Right? The Greek greeting was the word that means hail. So, but, but the word grace in the New Testament sounds about the same. And so Paul picks up on that. And when you walk down the street, you would say to somebody, when you see them, you say, hey, or, or hi, or whatever. And they would say, hail, and Paul used the term for grace because it was similar. And, and then you have shalom, right? The usual Jewish greeting for the word peace. And so he picks up on these two greetings and he uses them at the beginning of his letters. And we usually, what? We just kind of blow right by that stuff. It's just the greeting, right? Bless you, by the way. Can I argue this morning that there's some good stuff, that grace is good stuff, that peace is incredible stuff, that thanksgiving is some good stuff there? It is the climate that God wants you to live in. The peace of God, the shalom of the Old Testament is not the absence of something. And a lot of times we think that that's what peace is, right? The absence of conflict, but God's peace is the fullness of. For example, it's the fullness of joy. That's the kind of thing that God wants to give us. And in these verses, they're talking about living in a different kind of climate. And all of you came to church today, and isn't it great that, that we find ourselves in this particular climate? There's a climate that God wants to create in your lives that, that produces growth, grace, and peace, and thanksgiving. It's a climate of growth. And we live in that climate, it adds up to lasting growth. Like I know people that try to live in a climate of guilt, right? It never works. might work in the short term, but it never works in the long run, right? It's never long lasting. I know people that try to live in a climate of fear, right? They think that, that that's what's going to help them grow. If I just scare myself enough, I'll be motivated to grow in Christ, right? It doesn't work. There are some people that try to live in a climate of individualism, right? I'll just do it myself. I can grow myself. That never works. We need to recognize that it is God who grows us, and he will continue to grow us. And we all struggle with it, but God wants us to grow. If we're not growing as a believer, something's wrong with the climate that you find yourself in. There's a third thing that Paul talks about in verse 3. He talks about the fact 
that we have to build on the right foundation. Right? If I want to change and, and I'm really talking about real change right now, I have to build it on a strong foundation, right? The right foundation. So Paul expresses three words that he comes back to again and again. Paul says in verse 3, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. Did you catch that? One of the most familiar verses in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. Paul gives us some insight into these words when he talks about what they motivate in our life. He says faith produces work. In other words, our beliefs always result in actions. I say this a lot. It's not what we say. It's what we do, right? That's the key. If what I, what I say I believe is not changing how I act, I really don't believe it. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say the fire alarm goes off right now. What do we do? We all stand up. We file out calmly, by the way. Right? We file out. We go in the parking lot. Fire people come and they figure out that, that there's no fire. Great. Thanks. Right? What happens if it goes off next week? And then it goes off the week after that. Then it goes off the week after that. And pretty soon I stand up here and I say, hey, don't worry about it. It's a false alarm. Just stay put. What do you do? You probably stay put. Here's the thing. Some people see the Bible as a fire alarm. They don't believe it, and so they don't do anything about it. And the Bible's not a false alarm. It's the truth. And when we recognize it for what the truth that it is, it motivates our actions. And then he says, love prompts labor. We all have heard the phrase, it's a labor of love, right? We kind of get that. And then he says, hope inspires endurance. The ability to keep on keeping on. It's inspired by hope in our lives. As we look at these three statements, here's the big question for you this morning. Are you living life backwards? Are you living life where you're trying to work your way into faith? Right? It's backwards living. Or are you living life trying to labor your way into love? Backwards. Or are you living life trying to endure your way into hope? It's just backwards kind of living right there. So the great encouragement and joy in the verse is that God wants to give us this gift. This gift of faith. This gift of love. This gift of hope. And we don't have to work our way towards it. When God gives us a gift, we start to work in what? A new way. We start to labor in a new way. We endure in a new way. I've found when I get up in the morning, just take a few minutes to realize that God has given me faith to make it through the day. God wants to give me the love to, to love people that I'm going to meet today. Even the, the tough ones, right? Even the hard ones. God wants to give me the gift of hope to endure the hardest thing that I will face today, whatever that might be. When I start to see that gift, it begins to change everything. If we try to live life backwards, just trying to like build a house, and then we try to slip the foundation underneath the house, right? That never works out very well. Let's jack your house up, Matt. We'll just like put the foundation underneath it. He's like, yeah, no thank you, right? 
First, we build a foundation, and then we watch the work that God does to build our faith. We watch the labor that God builds on love for him, that we have for him in our heart. And then you watch the endurance, and you're able to get through things that you never thought you would be able to endure because of the hope that you have in life. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. As I close this morning, I'm going to focus on those three words, faith, hope, and love. And I would like for you to consider that as we go through this book, that God has something to say to you. And as we pray this morning, I just want to pray a, a flippant, like, closing prayer today. Not that I do that other weeks, by the way, hopefully. But I want to seriously pray. For God to change our lives during this study. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word today. God, there might be people here today that are, that are new believers. There are people who here today who have walked with Jesus for a long time. And wherever you're at, my, my prayer is that we would have a desire to grow, a, a desire for our life to be changed by you. God, grow our faith, grow our hope in you, grow our love for you and for others. God, would you change us? Change us into the people that you want us to be today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.